0: This is
1: the morning podcast with Jacob and Ethan.
0: This and Eden. is hell. You there? Oh, there she is. Uh, I'm
1: here. Morning. morning. How's it going?
0: It's all right. Still stuck in Turkey. I mean, I mean, I guess I shouldn't complain. <laughs> yeah um no turkey's great it's just i don't know they had a terrorist attack a few weeks it's ago not ham, right? it's not what not ham oh yeah well actually yeah. now they uh they don't want you to call it turkey anymore they want you to call it turkey because oh, they're they're tired of being confused with an animal <laughs> I mean, I guess it's fair, but, like, they named it that, so. It's not It's not my fault they're called Turkey, but they want us to yeah. stop. Yeah. Yeah. They had a terrorist attack? That's not right. They had one a couple weeks ago. They've got, they fight with their neighbors a little bit. I, they blamed it on their neighbors. So, anyway, prices were real cheap for hostels last week, but I was a little bit like, I hope, I hope there's no more terrorist attacks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hope none so far. None so far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good. How's everything going in Colwich? It's awfully, it's four in the afternoon here. Well, it's seven in the morning there.
1: It is seven in the morning here. It's, um, it was a nice day yesterday. It was freezing the day before. And so it's about like normal Kansas weather here. So,
0: oh man, poor Derek. You're not waking him up, are you?
1: <laughs> no, he's been up
0: since like five. Oh he's no. The house for
1: Christmas. So,
0: okay. All right. Well, we should probably get started. Yeah, I'm good. I'm sure. All right. So anyway, Jacob, you Breakfast to Sell podcast. I'm going to go ahead and cut the video because I have a little bit of lag. I don't know. Is there a lag on your end? I don't think so. OK, well, I'm going to cut. Well, I'll just minimize it then. Maybe it'll. Oh, I can't minimize. Shit. Um. Whatever
1: you want to do is fine.
0: Well, no. Give me a second. Let me. Maybe this will work um, anyway. So, yeah, Jacob, your breakfast cell podcast. I've got Cecilia Simon on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Want to say hello to people?
1: Hello, people.
0: Hello, people. We're not going to do video, by the way, so it's just audio. So you don't have to worry about that. Um, Perfect. But yeah, no, I needed somebody. I've been trying to do a Taylor Swift podcast for about three months now, and uh, we're finally getting <laughs> it done. So great. Okay. I'm I'm excited. We're going to go through the albums, talk about them a little bit, see where the conversation goes, and then hopefully there'll be some good content. And if not, I don't know. People will listen to it anyway. Probably. 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 All right. So shall we get started? Sounds like a plan. All right. First album, Taylor Swift, which you said you did not know very well.
1: Yeah. So... <laughs> Honestly, when it came out, there was this girl who was in like kindergarten and she was obsessed with the album. And so she would listen to it on the school bus all the time, blaring it. And we were all like, turn it off. So it was never that big of a fit. I did go back and listen to it for the podcast just to kind of refresh myself. She does have some good bangers on there.
0: Yeah, actually. So, so see, it's it's recording on my computer, the audio. So I got to have you cut your video because I just don't want there to be any gaps in the audio. Okay. Um, yeah. I think if you go to the bottom there you go. All right. Um, we good. Yes. All can right. You like,
1: so you can, you can continue to go without my
0: video. Yeah. I can hear you fine without the video. Um, okay. um, yeah, no, I was surprised. Cause I was listening back. I decided I was going to listen to all of them. Um, I've on my last flight back to Europe. I listened to all the albums while I was unable to sleep in an airport. And I was shocked at how many hits there were on that one. Like I was thinking, like I'm sure there's like one or two songs on this that I remember because we were in when all those came out. What were we in? Fourth grade, fifth grade?
1: Yeah, Most pretty much. Years? It was yeah, We were in 2006, is what Spotify says, which means that we would have been like sixth grade,
0: seventh grade. Right, and I'm surprised like how many songs I remember from riding the school bus that were on mm-hmm. that album.
1: Yeah. And like a lot of them, I mean, they may not have gotten much radio time, but at the same time, it's like, oh yeah, I totally know this song. You know, the time you're going through it, it's like, oh yeah, I know this one. This one's, you know, this one's a classic.
0: Yeah. A lot of banjo, a lot of banjo though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very country, very country, very banjo.
0: Or trying, actually, you know what? I think Fearless, the next one's even worse, but like very much trying to be country. Like I, that's, like they're just like, oh, we need to put a banjo. We have to have a banjo here, so let's put a ban- <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh,
1: here's a musical interlude. Let's throw a violin in there. Call it a fiddle.
0: Yeah, I know. And the production, like, it's weird to hear it because it's he's she's got the same producer for like the first four albums. Um, <laughs> like I think on the fourth one on Red, she started to get some different producers, but it's the same guy. And you can hear like listening to them in sequence, you can hear him get better too. Like on that first one. He very Mm -hmm. much doesn't know what he's doing. He's very, it sounds very like corny, uh, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but still, like, still some hits. And what was, how old would she have been? That would have been 2007, you said?
1: Yeah, 2006 is when it was
0: released. So that she was born in 89, 99, 17. Yeah. Better than, better than me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well and it's it's so funny because you know once you actually do listen through all of the different Taylor Swift albums like if you have been a fan for a long time you hear so much just progress and change in both you know lyrical stuff and and the actual music itself and all kinds of different things um and so you know that first one it's you know yes it is very innocent and naive but at the same time like you do just hear her change through time and it's kind of neat to hear
0: yeah yeah there's a there's a good evolution although i will say listening to the first one even more than her next couple albums like she always knew how to write something catchy like there's no and i don't know if that's the co-writers like if they had a whole team working on those or if that was her but like all of those songs on that album are catchy too
1: yeah they're they're very catchy and um i mean it reminds me because I used to write songs when I was younger, and it reminds me a lot of that, where it's like, you don't have that much at your disposal until you kind of just write on what you know. And um, she she can definitely put a catchy song together. I could never do anything like that.
0: Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was like a whole team, right, like I'm sure, because I feel like even lyrically, it's a little stronger than Fearless, the next album, but you, you know it's a little like fearless. So we can all, we can also basically get into fearless in this one, but fearless feels a little bit like, like the songs are maybe a little bit more um, like emotionally intense, but the, they're more, they're more like unspecific. Like when I think of our song, which is a song off of the first album, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's got a lot of detail to it. Like it's got a lot of visual aspect to it. But yeah, like yeah. listening to some of the things off Fearless, they it's just kind of like, I'm really sad. <laughs> I like <laughs> you a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's why I like that one. <laughs> well, that, There's uh-huh. definitely a virtue to it, but they're just not like uh, she she gets better over time at like making stories and making visuals. And yeah. on Fearless, I don't feel like she quite has that.
1: Yeah, I can see
0: that. I mean, that was, that was my take. I don't, you fearless also just uh, that one. I was shocked just how much like uh, it's very, it's not really so country. It's more pop. Like it's very power poppy. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: And power poppy, but still like trying to
0: be country at the same time. Dude, her, her like weird, uh, her weird, not Yelp, but like uh twang, like, she is almost leaning into it more on the second one than on the first album and it's really off-putting
1: I would agree with that I was listening to it the other day and I was like gosh just sing like a normal person
0: like (laughs) she's not she's not (laughs) like this is obviously you know oh oh, nobody sounds like that nobody Nobody sings like that.
1: No, there's one I think that was on the first album that was very much like that too. And I was like, gosh, just stop. <laughs> what I are mean, you doing?
0: In a sense, it's smart, right? Because if if as I think she signed her record deal when she was 15. And so okay. I think she signed like an eight record deal when she was 15. And so. Like, of course, it makes more sense if you're gonna to try to like turn. You have eight albums to work with, right? And you have like mm-hmm. eight albums to turn this person into a pop star. It may have not been eight. It may have been like six or I, it was something something like that. But mm-hmm. you know, it makes more sense to pick a smaller genre, try to make her huge in that genre, and then cross over. Because if you just throw her straight in the pop music, she's gonna mm-hmm. drown. Yeah. Right. I mean, because I don't know, she's what from Pennsylvania? Yeah, I, think yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that's not really, it's kind of, I don't know, is that, I mean, do you know anything about her upbringing? Was, was it actually rural?
1: I mean, she says she was, she's like, oh, I was raised on a farm, but I'm like, it's a Christmas tree farm, it's not really the same, coming from somebody who lived on a dairy farm, um, but you know, she makes it seem like it was, it was pretty rural, um, like growing up, but I don't know how much I believe that.
0: It was a Christmas tree farm.
1: That's what I mean. She makes songs about the Christmas tree farm. Yeah, she was in West Reading, Pennsylvania, when she
0: okay.
1: was. Her parents sold their family farm in Pennsylvania to move to Tennessee so she could pursue a career in country music. Her Britannica.com.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. Maybe, maybe it's just whatever it is. Wherever she's from, that's not. They didn't have a twang. That's not a real. I rem, I've that been. Is, yes. <laughs>
1: I, I, my parents, my great grandparents lived in Pennsylvania. I went up there. That is very much not the accent.
0: That is there. not how Pennsylvania people sound. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> okay. So you liked fearless. You liked that one.
1: I liked fearless. Um, that one was, that was my kind of introductory Taylor Swift album. Um, yeah. Cause that one, I mean, that was when I had first started high school. So there were so many songs that were on there that just kind of related to me at the time like obviously 15 because it's like oh my gosh I'm 15 wow this song speaks to me but like there's there's just a ton of other ones that I just really enjoyed and maybe it's just because I like a lot of the sad depressing emotional kind of songs and she's got a lot more of that on this album than she did on the first one
0: yeah she's definitely trying I mean she does a good job right she mixes like songs that are very sincere about her own personal experiences only i think i think she was 20 when she wrote it so like she does a good job being sincere to her own experience and not trying to write about something she doesn't know but also Mm -hmm. getting some like actual depth to the song like some actual trying to tackle big emotions right yeah yeah no i was just surprised i think i was even listening to it again this morning the sound because I guess I have this like very generic image of Taylor Swift until about like I don't know when 1984 comes out 1989 when mm. uh, 1984 is a George Orwell book. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very <laughs> different, very different. <laughs> um, so I have this very like generic idea of Taylor Swift, but like it, it does sound very different from the first album. Um, like like half the songs are very power poppy, and the other half are very kind of very subdued. Mm-hmm. Um, also it has, uh, um, uh, you belong with me, which was the song of high school. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I don't think, was there a bit when we were in high school, what were the biggest songs? Like that was Isn't one that of them. One,
1: yeah. There's, I mean, if you're talking Taylor Swift, that's one category. If you're talking in <laughs> Miley Cyrus, uh, party in the USA, that was the other anthem of high school. Yeah. Uh, but on her album, I mean, Uh, that one was a
0: huge one. Love Story. Love Story was big. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, White Horse. That was a huge one too, I feel like. Yeah. In a lesser kind of way, but yeah.
0: No, I just feel like with Taylor Swift, it's something like Kanye West for like the first 10 years of Kanye West existence. Like everybody knew Gold Digger, you know what I mean? And then like, and then like eventually like the rest of the songs kind of drifted. Like into the mainstream, but like Gold Digger was a lot of people's. Like, if you knew one song, that was it, mm-hmm. and yeah, that oh, was that's you. Funny. Yeah, and that was kind of like you belong. I mean, because it was all it was playing all the time at every dance we were at. You belong yeah. with me. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that
1: one was a really big one.
0: And it sounds terrible. Like the audio production on it, in my mind, is it sounds like the song is okay, but the audio. It's such well, it's a dumb song. It's a really dumb mm-hmm. song. Yeah. But yeah,
1: <laughs> like, yeah, no, I would agree with that. Like, you go back and you listen to it, and I mean, even that one and our song from the last album and stuff. I just listen to it, and I'm like, oh, gosh, it's on, <laughs> you know? And they're not as strong quality as you'd think. I think it's just because it's so poppy and exciting. Oh, Everyone's like, oh, yeah, this song. Yeah,
0: you know, I don't even mind. I don't even mind our song. Like, I actually, I'll be a defender of that, but. Like, I think like the bridge on, I mean, it's good. It like does what it's supposed to do. It's like an anthemic, like pop song that you can't escape. But it's literally da, 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 da. Like it's (laughs) it's just, (laughs) yeah, it's about as subtle as a hammer to the face. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, was that okay? Was Taylor Swift cool yet then? like for you when that by the time that second album came out or was she still not cool she was she was cool she was Uh, cool
1: yeah she wasn't like huge huge at that point but I feel like I mean she was definitely more cool like I couldn't really look that little kindergartner in the eye that that was you know shouting about Taylor Swift a couple of years before so I mean she's definitely progressed um and she was in the cool phase at that point
0: yeah, and no, it has like would you still listen to that album now? Like can you still get something out of it now or when you listen to it are you like oh, I'm so past that those that era that era of my life?
1: Um I feel like I'm past that era of my life, but at the same time, like it definitely takes me back. She has a really good way of of being able to put you in that time frame. Um and so, I mean, I feel like there were different songs where I kind of listened to it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I I feel something different about this one. Like, <laughs> The Best Day, I was listening to that one. I, I hated that one when I, you know, first listened to the album. But then when I was listening to it again recently, I was like, oh, I get some for out of this one. This is sweet. Yeah. yeah. You, you do get something different out of it as time goes on, too, I feel like.
0: Right. I feel like it would have been better titled 15. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> no. like there's nothing wrong with an album all about the feelings you have on your 15. Because when you like the feelings you have on your 15 or the feelings you have on your 30, it's just that you understand them better and they're not, you know, so outsized and it's not your first time having them. It's like right. it's not it's not that you can't get something out of an album full of things with with your 15 year old self. Yeah trying to think oh, yeah wait, wait, wait. love story love story was on that yeah it was love
1: story love yep. story
0: was yeah yeah um, I remember yeah. that one but okay that all one right.
1: was that was the one that was at all of the high school dances
0: love story yeah oh man but it wasn't so much like I feel like people didn't really like people liked it but it wasn't like one that like everybody just mm-hmm. got on the date. Di- you know what I mean like
1: yeah well I guess I can Maybe I'm maybe I'm remembering high school differently. I feel like it was really really big. Like you belong with me was probably at the dances, but like everybody knew love story. Like that was the one that everyone's like, "Baby, you take me," you know. It's it's very. It maybe it wasn't at the dances, but it was super popular.
0: Yeah, you know, maybe it's just because I still don't love it, and at the time mm-hmm. I didn't love it. I mean, you made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter is a good line
1: um yeah but at the same time i was thinking about that line the other day and i was like so is it actually him making her a rebel out of a careless man's careful daughter or is she just going along with genetics because if her dad was already careless you know you could probably categorize him as a rebel i was right that was a different size
0: but she just becoming what she already was going to be (laughs) exactly yeah no it's ah yeah and then I remember I used when I was younger I remember hearing fifteen and thinking oh this is such a, this is such a great song like the feeling of betrayal that like she is getting at' felt really deep I do have to say like being a little bit older I'm like and having been in different relationships it's like well they you break up with people I don't know fifteen yeah. doesn't, doesn't like i i get how it feels at fifteen it doesn't quite resonate as much being older you know what I mean like
1: I guess it depends because I still kind of resonate with that one because I'm like, oh, yeah, you sweet little baby, you know, (laughs) you do think that everything's going to be okay, but eh, you're probably going to break up with that guy, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I guess it does very much get across the feeling of like a breakup being a a cataclysmic event. It's just... Mm I remember like listening to it when I was like, when it came out, I think, or a little bit after it came out and being like, what an asshole, he promised himself to her and then he broke up with her. But it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, that happens. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah,
1: that's normal life.
0: <laughs> it's normal life. Yeah, I guess it's I get but yeah, you know, it's a song about people learning that life happens, maybe. Um, yeah, it's
1: more
0: like Anything else on that one?
1: That's about it on that one
0: about it on that one. All right, speak now.
1: (laughs) That one also came out later high school for me. That one what? Came out in later high school for me. I think that was 2010. So that would have been like junior, senior year.
0: Yeah. I think maybe the maybe the second worst of all of them.
1: Yeah, I was never that big of a fan. She's got some really good ones on there, but I don't feel like that one was one of her crowning achievements.
0: No, means on there mean, which I which I unironically like. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, it's I know that she wrote all the songs herself on that one. Um, okay, like no co-writers, but it kind of shows. I mean, her writing definitely gets better. Like listening to just the writing between that and Fearless, in my opinion, because that one has mine. No, that one has. Yeah, that one yes, has mine one has yeah mm-hmm. like mine's an actually pretty complicated story that she manages to get across in like three minutes um
1: that one's the rebel careful daughter one
0: shit you're right loves but yeah. Oh no you're right yeah no no okay yeah so it even kind of doubles my even uh reinforces my argument where it's like she's she's a better writer by that point but the songs aren't as good
1: yeah i would agree with that
0: like I think there's one of the line, songs that has something where like somebody's wearing a wedding dress like a pastry, which is
1: oh yeah, that's better than revenge.
0: Yeah, something one of them, and I'm like, that's a that's a that's a great oh, yeah. line.
1: That, that was a different song, but yes, I agree. Yeah, she's she's got some like fun little quips in there, and you're like, oh, I feel that ice in there.
0: Yeah, like she's telling real stories with real details, with real imagery, with memorable lines.
1: Yeah, I so, think that one is actually
0: Speak Now. Yeah, I think maybe it's the one that's like one about a wedding, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you have anything to say, Speak Now. That's the one.
0: So it's, yeah. almost, it's almost this weird thing by the time she gets to this third album where it's almost like she's forgotten how to write hooks. Like she's forgotten. Like you had the first album, which is just full of all these hits and very memorable. Mm-hmm. And then like she's getting better as a writer, but she's getting worse, getting like worse songs, if it makes sense Mm mm-hmm yeah
1: To do it more on her own as a young singer songwriter but not quite hitting the mark per se
0: yeah like she's she's almost there she's almost Mm -hmm. there yeah no you're and then um yeah no you're right it's mine because mine was big mine was a hit
1: yeah mine was really big back to December that was on there that one was really big mean um Enchanted was kind of like an unsung hero on there. I know I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, that song is so good. And I'm like, yeah, it's I think that showcases a little bit more of her singers or like the songwriter type personality where she can create more of a story and she can kind of go along with it as opposed to just doing like a personal experience story. Um, because in that one she was much more, you know, going along the lines of, you know, here's this fairy tale fantasy kind of thing. Um, whereas some of the other ones is just, you know, here's a personal experience that I'm going to, you know, turn into a song.
0: Yeah, you're right. There's much less of the, like, and fear there's a lot of very personal things on there, whereas in Speak Now, it's not quite so much, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's,
1: there's, I feel like there's a lot more on this album that you can kind of correlate to some event in Taylor's life that people are all like, oh, you know, this one's about this person, this one is about this person, but She, I think she did a better job of, um, of kind of changing that.
0: So you're, wait, you're saying in Speak Now, there's a lot of songs you can like pinpoint the things in her life. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, Dear John was obviously about John Mayer. Um, There was Innocent, I think, which was, I think about Kanye.
0: Well, that's right. The Kanye thing happened before that, before that Mm -hmm. album came out.
1: Yep. And so then she
0: wrote about it in this one, I think. Okay. Uh,
1: I feel like somebody told me once, and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but either, it's either Back to December or Last Kiss. I think one of those was about Taylor Lautner when she had that fling with him.
0: Yeah. Um, So. So why does Fearless then feel like it has so much more emotion in it than Speak Now, if Speak Now is more personal?
1: I'm not sure. And I don't know if, again, it's just because of the the maybe co-writers that had helped with it that kind of made it feel a little more universal for Fearless, as opposed to Speak Now, where it's more on her and she just had a harder time trying to relay that. Um, but I don't know.
0: Yeah. Also, this brings up a good thing. How do you feel? Because so much of the conversation around Taylor Swift involves like who her songs are about or what she's writing about do you feel like this is fair do you feel like this is i mean people do it whether it's fair or not but do you feel like because i know she's complained about it a lot
1: she's complained about people like in point
0: trying to figure out who her songs are about or what boyfriend it's about or something you know
1: yeah um so honestly i I definitely do. And I enjoy it only just because it makes it feel more relatable because it's like, oh, yeah, okay, this makes more sense here. Or, you know, you can kind of. Yes, it's not quite as personally relatable, but you can at least understand a little bit more of her as a person or as a singer songwriter, you know, things like that. So I enjoy it. I know she probably doesn't (laughs) having her life on display like that. But at the same time, I feel like like it makes her a little more human.
0: Well, and I also like, come on. I mean, how do Sorry. I put it? There had to be, there has to be some degree of like her camp leaking that sort of thing. Right. Cause people aren't figuring that out just by themselves. Yeah. So it feels I, a little disingenuous.
1: I could see that too.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's even one song, I think it's on fearless. That's like called Hey Steven or something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like literally about a guy named Steven and her opening band at, on the tour. <laughs> And, oh, yeah,
1: I didn't
0: realize that. And I was like, it's a little bit, it's a little bit on the nose where if like, if you're mad that people know what the, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Cause, oh man, cause not I remember. Go ahead. What? No, you go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to say, you don't necessarily, you know, in that instance, it's like, oh yeah, you're airing out your dirty laundry, you know, very publicly and whether you wanted to or not.
0: Yeah. I mean, even, um. Oh no, because I remember there was even some Netflix show that like there was a comedy that had a joke. Like she had she's had more boyfriends than Taylor Swift or something. And then I remember Taylor Swift had a big public statement that is like this sexist joke, da-da-da-da-da. But like, I don't know if you're gonna like advertise, because I think you know Maggie, right? My cousin's wife. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like she had a great line, which is like, just because someone's a good salesman. Uh, just because someone's a good salesman Doesn't mean they don't have anything to sell So it's like one of these things Where I feel like Taylor Swift and Taylor's The Twi- Taylor Swift machine is a good sales Machine Like aside from the music right
1: mm-hmm.
0: Right like they they Do a good job of building narratives And like getting fans to be engaged And like the music has been Good or great at times As well but also Like there's this whole industry But it's a little bit rich to like I guess get to the top by writing these very personal songs and then marketing yourself as like a very personal songwriter and then be angry five or 10 years later when people make jokes about it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I could see that too.
0: Right. No, I just, uh, I don't even, I I didn't even come in here wanting to make this point. I just like, uh, (laughs) and I get it. Like she was young still, but it's one of these things where, yeah, if you're, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's just a question all right anything else for that one i don't have much to say about speak now it kind of it kind of awesome. blows
1: yeah no i'm good on that one all right red you did miss an opportunity to say speak now or forever hold
0: oh speech. yeah i did forgive me okay continuing red <laughs> for me. the first really great taylor swift album
1: yes i loved everything about red like that was my anthem because that was right i think right when i started college so um i mean i would just ride around in my mustang and this in the speaker or in the, the radio and just listen to it on repeat i loved this album
0: how's what's the opening drum part like on state of grace um no that's not it I'm thinking of fun but anyway like that album had to be mixed especially for car stereos because even like the first notes of state of grace are just like yeah yeah. oh yeah yeah oh yeah
1: yeah I I remember
0: that it's 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 I feel like the only not the only but the best way to listen to red is in a car stereo
1: yes Yes. I would agree
0: with that.
1: It's, it's a, it's a killer on the, on the, the
0: car. Yeah. Um, okay. We might have to end the call and redo it. Cause I guess it doesn't give me unlimited time anymore, but we'll figure okay. it out. Um, okay. no, we'll keep talking. We'll just, uh, we might have to do something else, but um, no, we can even do Skype. You have Skype, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. We can do Skype after this, but um, no, it's like, it sounds great. The back half is weak. Like the, like the, the last three or four like starlight and what's the other yeah that one's weak and then like um what's the other one about being famous um, the lucky one the lucky one oh uh-huh. like there's a couple clunkers on the back end but yeah
1: i would agree with that the beginning half is so strong and then the the second half it tends to get a little more kind of sad and emotional um yeah. So I would agree. Like the Lucky One and Starlight wasn't as big of a fan of those. Um, some of them kind of ended up seeming like a lot, like the first ones on the album, but I don't know. Um, overall, like this was one of my favorite ones for sure. It's got so many like poppy, exciting, you know, anthems, just sing with your friends kind of ones. Um, I mean, obviously 22 was on there. Um, Stay, Stay, Stay was just a fun little poppy kind of one we are never getting back together all of those are on that album
0: oh yeah oh yeah well no it's um and this is the shame is because this is the first taylor swift when i was growing up that i remember liking fist really like there were some of the songs i liked being like young and it being a pop song but like red mm-hmm. red is like the song red was like the first taylor swift song where i was like oh i really unironically enjoy this enjoy this and think it's good And like, I'm really bummed because I could have gotten into this album when it came out, but I talked myself out of it. I was like, no, I must be wrong because Taylor Swift's not a real artist. So like, this can't actually be good music. I must be wrong about this. Um, Uh And I'm like, in retrospect, it took me like 10 years later for me to be like, no, actually, especially the first half, it's not just like a good Taylor Swift album or a good album like for pop music. It's like a good all-time album. Like, yes, there's there's a little filler. But if if the fillers cut, it's like, you know, one of the better albums I've ever listened to, like Mm -hmm. there's state and even the stupid songs like Stay, Stay, Stay and We Are Never Getting Back Together are Mm -hmm. like there's I remember when We Are Never Getting Back Together came out. And I just remember being dumbfounded at how stupid it was. But then, like, (laughs) there's almost an art in that stupidity, like to get away with it
1: yes and I feel like she's really good at that at like kind of just ironically making a song and just making it be a real hit and you're like gosh even though it is kind of like stupid or ridiculous it's like gosh this is such a good song I
0: and I think is this the first album where she's really where she really does that like makes a song like that
1: yeah kind of like that that ironic kind of twist where either I and I could never tell if it was just her trying to, you know, run along with the narrative, kind of like, oh, well, if this is what you think, sure, I'll write this song, you know, but I do feel like this is the first one where she started to more ironically write those kind of songs.
0: It feels like she's, she's more doing what she feels, what's she feels like doing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, State of Grace, I'm trying to think what track two is. Red, Red is track two. Mm-hmm. Um, all too well is that track five yep which is that which one is one good. of the best songs anyone's ever written oh my gosh
1: it's <laughs> so good and like i loved that one when it came out like that was my favorite song and then everyone really started getting into that one over time and so i i feel like i'm kind of the, the original stands of that one i just i really like that song
0: i'm telling you were right you were right because that one that is that is an that one, I don't even, it's, it's impressive. Like it, and it's got a weird structure too. Like it builds and it, and it, and it dies out and it builds back again and it dies out. Like it's got a weird structure. It's not that linear of a song.
1: It's not, but I feel like it's kind of like the emotions that you would feel along with it too. So like, I mean, she builds the story in the song. It really gets you into it where it's like, okay, you know, here's the very beginning of this relationship. It's new and it's ex- exciting and it's fun. And then it's, you know, a little more personal. It's, you know, meeting the parents and, you know, thinking that this is going to be long-term. And then, um, you know, it, then it gets into like the big fights and the big, you know, kind of breakup point. And then it's just kind of this numb, emotionless spot where it's like, you know, time won't fly and I'm mesmerized by it, you know, yeah stuck in that and then it kind of just like picks up again kind of like you're remembering those emotions if you if you think too long in it and it just gets you again it just oh it hits so good
0: it's yeah it's it's almost like it like it almost kind of has this emotional arc of remembering a relationship right yes
1: okay.
0: yeah like a process it, it, yeah it's got this weird structure like it feels like it, it's like a spiral like it circles back on itself the song does mm-hmm. like yeah um yeah. Because
1: here we are again in, in this situation, and I remember, and you remember. And I think, she, yeah. and this is one of the first ones that I remember her. She does it much more in her albums more recently, but this one, she for sure would change slight aspects of the chorus to kind of either reiterate or relate a certain part of the song. So, like the beginning, it was, I remember all too well. And then by the end, it was, you remember all too well.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. Like, and then even the vocal delivery. I mean, she's starting to become like. Even she's not still not a great singer yet by this album, but like, uh, maybe, uh, maybe we got lost in translation. Like, like there's a lot of she. She's throwing that line out there. Like she really knows how to get mm-hmm. that across. Yeah. And then uh. Yes. Yeah. Call me up again just to break me like a promise. Like she's she's a good writer now too. At this point, she like she can make. Great lines. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, She
1: can she can throw words together in such a way as to pull out different kind of emotion from you instead of, you know, what the basic version of that would be, you know.
0: And I think what's weird about that song is that song shouldn't work. Like structurally, like like melodically, it's really not that catchy. Like it's not, I mean, it's got, it's got, it's tuneful, but it's not like it's not catchy and it's an awfully long song to not be catchy.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's not catchy and it's five minutes and it's mostly this girl just complaining about like a relationship, like maybe justifiably, maybe not, but it still works.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it does this good kind of like, um, like, uh, straddling a line too, where it's like, Cause it's it it's also vulnerable on her end. Like it's not just this one sided takedown of the other person. Like some of the time when the when the person I'm not even gonna say Taylor, but like some of the time when the narrator and the song is complaining, it almost reflects poorly back on the narrator. Like like people are allowed to end relationships. They're not doesn't make them assholes. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's got it's like it's it's good too in that it kind of has this three dimensionality where it's not just this like. Very one-sided take on someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which, and we should switch the Skype because this this brings up um let's let me bring up Skype. Sil.
1: Yes, can you hear me?
0: Yes, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Um Yeah, no, so okay, this brings up the good question. Like how do you feel about the 10 minute version? Slash how do you feel about the re-recordings? So
1: with the 10 minute song, I do really like that one. I feel like it gives a little more depth to the song, but at the same time, I mean, it, the thing that kind of gets me about it is that, I mean, so this song, when this album came out, there was really no explicits. It it was just a very kind of pure album. And it makes me a little sad that she kind of brings it back into it where it's like, okay, I get it. Like the, the fuck the patriarchy and you know that line and that's in there but at the same time it's like didn't need to be in there like it was so good without it and so i i think it's a good song like the 10 minute version it kind of drags on a little bit by the end um but i i I like that one um and then the re-recordings again i'm kind of kind of half and half on them like I do like that she's gone back to redo them only just because it gives a little more of a full perspective of her, like her early albums. She was so high pitched and nasally almost. And I feel like she's become a better singer over the years. And so she can still go back and hit those same songs, but it just seems a little more full as in like her vocal production of it is better. Um, But at the same time, it just kind of feels like you're just going back and listening to the old albums again. So, I mean, it's not groundbreaking for me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of artists have this where, like, I don't, because I do feel like, Taylor, starting with, with Red, but I think especially once we get, once you get past 1989, like, I think she's very much, I don't know, she's very much doing her own thing. And I think it's, like, to bring it back to Kanye, like, you can hear me, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, no, there's just less noise on Skype for some reason. But like sometimes you do what people tell you not to do and it works. And like if you I feel like there's like this I call it, I call it the Kanye syndrome. But like if you keep like doing things when people tell you it's not going to work and then it actually working, it actually is working, then you almost like lose like any sense of some stuff you shouldn't do. And it almost seems like in the careers of a lot of artists, they have a moment like this where they end up just spending a lot of time working on something that is actually just like stupid. Um, Yeah. Like, I know Kanye, like, he just couldn't finish anything. Or like Bob Dylan had that weird, like, 70s period where he's just like writing nonsense, which is like fine. But it's almost like when an artist starts to do that, it almost signals the end of their peak. Like, yeah. It, it get I guess you would say it's um, what's the word? um what's the word? like when you're indulgent, like they get very it's a very no. indulgent thing to do to decide you have to remake your entire discography.
1: yeah and I mean, and that's kind of why I do like that she's still releasing new albums despite that, like putting out midnights. I mean, to an extent, it's like, okay, look, I am still working on stuff. I'm just you know. And I understand why she's doing it because you know her everything was taken from her with those albums. So she's like, okay, fine, I'm gonna re-record them and then you know have my own name attached to it instead. But at the same time, it's kind of like, like you said, it's it's a little more indulgent. It's a little more like, okay, you know, where are you going with this?
0: I mean, she's certainly making bank. Like she's She's making bank on them.
1: Yeah, Yeah. she definitely is. I guess.
0: I mean part of my problem too is something I I think that like there are writers I think of some writers like Thomas Hardy or maybe even Henry James like you don't want to read with with a very few exceptions you don't want to read their later revisions of their early works because they end up running them and th- what they end up doing is is they end up taking their current aesthetic or their current beliefs of art and retroactively applying it to things in the past and kind of running what the early things what made them unique like I started trying to listen to the re-recorded Red, and um, like speaking of those drums on State of Grace, like they were very uh, like high cut, like the the high end was kind of cut out of them, and there was yeah. a lot more mids, like a lot of the stuff in the 300 to 600 frequency, um, which is like very modern, like it's very midnightsy, It's very like like yeah. um, melodrama, you know, like the melodrama album by Lord. I don't think
1: I know that one
0: but it's very like modern lo-fi like tick-tock pop like a sort of way to mix something so it's yeah and so it just kind of like also like well you're you just kind of ruined what i loved about this album is like that big tinny like car stereo sound of those drums you know what i mean
1: Uh, yeah agreed like because there's i mean for me it was i mean i knew those the the beginning albums so well that like i knew where she breathed in the song because i would breathe there too you know it it, it, there's like different emotional aspects of those early albums that she kind of just loses because she's, you know, it, it's just not quite the same. And it does just, you know, ah, you know, like you said, with the drums, you know, you lose this part of it. That's like, ah, man, that was such a good aspect of that song. And then same with, you know, the emotional patterns or like the breathing patterns where it's like, you know, she, she took a breath here, which just really kind of drove in the point And she just doesn't really get that as much in some of the newer albums
0: it almost feels a little bit like taylor swift performing taylor swift
1: yeah i agree
0: yeah i mean she has gotten yeah i mean the here's the thing about the masters though is you know that's pretty industry standard to not own your masters like you're very blessed if you get to own your masters
1: mm-hmm.
0: so i mean it's kind of bullshit that she didn't get to buy them because if she wanted to buy them because I think they were like saying, well, you could re- you could make new albums for us and then we'll let you own all the masters, which that's kind of bullshit. But like, it's yeah. not like most artists own their masters. So that's
1: fair. I didn't really realize that either.
0: Yeah, no, that's pretty. That's pretty rare. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like, look, Taylor Swift, I remember um, I was reading somebody was tweeting after Midnight's came out someone was tweeting it taylor swift seems awfully disgruntled for a very successful woman and somebody <laughs> else somebody else i was reading was like you know what there's probably zero point zero 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 percent people one percent people who are as successful as taylor swift and that's probably just as many people who are as incredibly petty as taylor swift like
1: <laughs> yeah i like i probably sure, agree with that
0: I th- yeah, I think that level of pettiness is, like, goes hand-in-hand, hand weirdly, with the success. Yeah. It's like... She that. Had- yeah. Like,
1: it's almost kind of, like, in a sense that you feel entitled to be able to kind of do whatever you want, and it's like,
0: well, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't get to do what I want, so it's, like, a moral affront, right? Right. Right. Um, no, even, like, the last... The last track, is, see, that's my problem. My only problem with Red is that it's a perfect 12 track album. Like I can think of three tracks I would cut and it's a perfect 12 track album. And my only frustration when I listen to it is I want that experience, but I can't have it because I have it on the CD and the car stereo. Um, yeah. That's my only frustration with it. But that's um, uh, The Last Time is a great song. Um, I was going to talk about that one because I like that one a lot. Oh,
1: it's great. I feel like it's the dynamic between the two of them too, because like in the beginning she kind of took the higher part and it was like, you know, again, kind of that emotional drive of like, this is the last time, you know? And then by the end she's just like zonked out and it's like, you know what? This is the last time I'm asking you this. And it just, that dynamic of the voice change between the two of them with the part change. I really liked that.
0: It's a very weird harmony, too. It's very, yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I um, really
0: enjoy that song. I almost do as a great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I like that a
0: lot. Um, Everything's
1: tra- changed. It's you know, it's a, a classic
0: one. Everything has uh, changed. Is a great song. Don't even. Yeah, I like I like that one. What's your What's your hesitation with it? It's too, but like at a certain point with Taylor Swift, it's like we're not going for emotional subtlety here.
1: Yeah no i agree no (laughs) i like i like everything has changed i feel like it's kind of the exciting you know new aspect of a relationship kind of thing
0: well and that's my frustration with the album length with the 15 tracks or 16 tracks where it's like it actually the album itself is kind of this nice circle like speaking of the structure of all too well like the Mm -hmm. album itself almost emotionally circles back on itself except Mm -hmm. for these like starlight and The lucky one, like, if you just got rid of those and maybe one more, then, like, it almost has this very, like, circular, snake-eating-its-own-tail structure of, like, falling in and out of love of someone. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I could see that, because then you end with begin again, and it's, you know...
0: Right, and then you go back to state of grace, and... uh
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, so... Yeah, I can definitely see that.
0: Right. It's... Yeah, it's almost... And I don't know if she intended that, but it, it very much... Yeah. That's my... But no, and, and like by this point, speaking of she's been with the same producer. Oh, yeah, because this is also um, the second biggest. Uh, you Belong With Me was the first, you know, omnipresent Taylor Swift song. Um, uh, I Knew You Were Trouble is the mm-hmm. second song I remember, like the second time that Taylor Swift released a track that shocked the world.
1: Oh, yeah. That one was a huge one.
0: You had the sheep meme, right? <laughs> yeah it <laughs> was an iconic <laughs> one <laughs> I, don't <know>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't did you not like that song as much
1: I did not care for that one as much oh. I mean it was a it was a hit but I I didn't care as much for it I mean it almost kind of felt a little yodely with like I knew you were trouble when you walked in and I don't know it was okay it was good it was just not my favorite of the album
0: that that guitar sound is something I have wrestled with for years and literally ever since I heard it because I remember when I heard it, I thought that's the worst sounding guitar I've ever heard but then <laughs> listening back to it it's almost like the bad sounding guitar is what makes it work like like I don't it's it almost sounds a little ch- it, not the rest of it but the guitar sound is so cheap Um yeah i don't know i don't have any grand thoughts on it it's just one of these weird things like how did this make it onto the radio but also without this incredibly cheap sounding guitar sound it probably doesn't it's probably not quite as addictive um, yeah. yeah like it's yeah i don't know because yeah that was the whole era of dubstep too and it's like she made a dubstep song she's going pop <laughs> yeah i remember all that hand wringing um because she's certainly not, she's dropped the country affectations by this point. Yes,
1: she's very much not country by this point.
0: Right. And it's a little bit weird to hear, like, oh, like, I guess Red does have some banjos, but like, it's very much not a country record in retrospect. Yeah. I,
1: yeah. That. I mean, I didn't even think so listening to the album when it came out because it was like, oh, this is very much not the country sound that she previously had. You knew that there was a change. It just was a little more subtle in the pop as opposed to you know the full on, you know, Katy Perry pop kind of sound.
0: Yeah. I mean, compared to say like Fearless, it that that whole accent is gone. You know, I think that's one of the troubles of like being a pop star though, is right? It's like here you make this pop record and like mm-hmm. you the, people are going to let you make the pop record you want to, but they're still going to market it as country. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: they're going to market it, whatever they whatever kind of fits their agenda.
0: Right. Right. I'm trying to think of because there's it is it is truly a great album with great. Yeah. No, no. This part is where it's. um, Yeah, you kind of because I was I've been listening to more pop music and it is it is um striking how sometimes I'll listen to a different artist and I'll put on a Taylor Swift song and just like the emotions are very big. They are ve- they are very bold they're very colorful they are not they're not subtle right yeah <laughs> like um, uh, i could just imagine like with i knew you were trouble like it could be like just some guy that's been seeing a girl for like two or three weeks you know and like <laughs> i don't know they like got coffee twice or something and then like <laughs> and then like he he you know he went over to her place for a little bit and then he only left after 20 minutes and he was like Okay, I'm headed out. And then, like, you know, t- like, this Taylor Swift song starts playing. Like, it's these very – it's these emotions that are not only big, but they also are, like, almost comically outsized to the situation sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. like sh- I don't know what justifies the song, like, I Knew You Were Trouble. You know what I mean? Or – all too well I can kind of get but like I knew you were trouble like it's like you have to like have someone sleep with your sister or something to justify a song that big
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so, I really no, and I, you said it's comically outsized to the proportion of you know the situation
0: right or like the last time like it's I, I love the melodrama but like holy shit that's like what's going on in this relationship where right (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. or i almost do i almost yeah it's like are you like literally like digging your nails into your arms and bleeding like
1: (laughs) yeah yeah you were
0: gonna say something oh no (laughs) okay yeah It's (laughs) It's, it's fine um so, no, I feel like at this point, too, like, up until this point, the emotions aren't quite this big. But starting with Red, they are very much, like, you know, very big.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. What else can be said about Red? What else can be? Um, it was kind I of think- overlooked when it came out a little bit.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, I remember, I think I was in... Um, juco at the time and i remember going to the target and i was like hey, i'm gonna get the album and but at the same time like there was plenty of albums available after this point that's really when it became like you know the pre-sale album and that you know you get that album before it comes out and um or you know it's hard to even find a copy this was kind of the last one before that hit mm. um and this was also one of the first ones i feel like that she had those additional songs at the end of the track, or at the end of the album. If she had a deluxe album, this one had the the three originals and then three, like, recordings of songs. So, The the Moment I Knew, Come Back, Be Here, uh, Girl at Home, those were all not on the original CD. So, if you just bought it at Walmart, you wouldn't get that. But if you bought it at Target, they had the deluxe album. I feel like that's the first one that really had that. Well, no, I take that back because the other ones did too. Speak Now had it, Fearless had it. But this one, I feel like maybe it was marketed a little bit more for it.
0: Well, and this is probably the last of her albums too. That's really a CD era album, right? Like this was still, people were still buying CDs and popping them. Like people were yeah. still buying CDs or they were like ripping songs to CDs and popping it in their cars. Yeah. Um, yeah, I it's mean, people, kind
1: of go era. ahead. What's it was kind of the last of the era in a sense of that.
0: Yeah, it was an album that people were bumping on CD in their car. Like people had tuners back then. Like if you don't know, if you're a younger listener, you used to have like a little thing you would hook up to your iPod and then it would, it would connect to a radio station. You could play over the radio, but it would be spotty sometimes and sometimes the radio signal would be too good. And so you were better off usually just playing a CD, um, if you wanted good audio quality. and this is kind of the last album I can think of where like I would have rather played a CD than than over a tuner. Yeah. I yeah. can see that. Yeah. Um No, I the but also the bonus tracks on this one were actually good as compared like mm-hmm. like uh Come Now Be Here is a good song. Mhm. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. They they were good songs that you almost wish were just on the original. Yeah, but see, time, like you were saying with the 12 track album versus the 16. And I mean, to make it 19, that's quite aggressive.
0: I mean, how do you feel? Do you prefer? I mean, I get the mentality of the CD era when like all you can hear is what's actually on the disc. But I would rather have an infinitely repeatable 12 track CD than like an 18 track CD that has a bunch of extra and like, do you know, that. I mean, personally, I, think- I guess.
1: Yeah I think it depends like I don't care as much for the you know the double recordings because on that album she had also had she redid Treacherous Red and Straight of Grace both in like the original demo recording and an acoustic version I just didn't care for those as much on that album like I, I like a good 14 to 16 album only just because it gives you more of that artist as opposed to just like Okay, here's eleven tracks or twelve tracks and then we're done. And it's like, ah man, you know, I you I just want more from it. Um so I thought the sixteen was good.
0: Well, and there is an there is an aspect, um, because I think Taylor Swift did this well and also Modest Mouse did it well. Where like traditionally people, you know, you were either a pop star and you were just trying to cram as many tracks as you could onto an album until you couldn't fit any more on a CD or you were like an artist and like doing like the traditional, like 12, 10 to 12 track thing, running time somewhere between 35 and 48 minutes, something that would fit on a vinyl mm-hmm. record, right? And yeah. Taylor Swift and also Modest Mouse would do this, where it, it is like these kind of outsized records where they're like 59 minutes an hour and five minutes, mm-hmm. um, but they're very much made for the CD, right? Like it's very much, yeah. can we can we cram a quality running time but can we do it like, and it's a different for me, I just, I think, I don't know why, but for me, it's just, it's too long to keep my attention. Maybe like, it's like, if I'm trying to read a short story, it's like, it's, it's just too long to the point where I can't finish it on my train ride. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can
1: see that. I feel like it, it probably is different for me because I did so many road trips like going to and from college, which was 45 minutes to and from the other college was two and a half. And then I'd make other random trips here and there. So I wanted a good long album because I didn't want to have to change out my CD every, you know, 30 minutes. So I preferred the longer albums, but I can see what you're saying with, it does kind of make you lose your attention if it's too long and it's, you know, kind of redundant in some sense.
0: Yeah, and I don't even, um, you know, um, I just, I, there's an art to it, right? There's an art to the CD-length, like, good album, and not many artists really, like, artists have made CD-length albums, that, but that feel like they're full of filler. I think it's just not, so, like, it's. I think it's a personal preference, but I think you're right. Like, for the car trips, for the long drives, of course, you want a, you want an hour of content. You need that hour of content. Um <laughs> And then you get to know like every like, and then you learn to love like the B sides and like the weaker songs almost as much as the as the better ones, right? Like you get to know every little detail because you've listened to it like twenty times. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, one of the true joys of like people don't get it now with the infinite streaming and like the infinite access. Like not because we had infinite access when we were young. We still had Napster and LimeWire, but like you had to burn that shit to a CD, and like you could only. Carry so many CDs, and you don't want to get in a car wreck by changing your CDs. So, like, you did kind <laughs> yeah. of have to. You did kind of learn the CDs you had, right? And it was kind of a yeah. pain to burn a CD. Um, so you would get to know these CDs like in and out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like you yeah. said, like even the even the vocal, like even the breath pauses.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You listen to it so many times, and you just you just know it like the back of your hand. I mean, and it's it's funny when you're talking about the b-sides it's like i loved the b-sides specifically because of that like yeah it's maybe a weaker song or maybe not it's never going to get actual radio play but at the same time i mean some of those it just shows a different
0: part of the artist i think and i just really like that yeah yeah um okay anything else i'm trying to think what else is what else red could bring up anything else on your end i don't think so Okay, but yeah, it is weird, like, Taylor Swift's finally starting to make good music, great music, but I feel like her place, at least in, like, every, like, the people that really loved Taylor Swift up to this point really loved Taylor Swift, but I feel like her, like, the adoration of Taylor Swift starts to disappear around this point, right? Like, she's less of, like, there's not so many kindergartners talking about her all the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, but which, at the same time, I could make the statement for, you know, the the last half of her albums here, they really start to to hit, like, the Taylor Swift fan base, which, I mean, those kind of super fans, they're aggressive with their love for Taylor Swift. Like, I no, remember yeah, to this point, just, you know, like, you like Taylor Swift a lot, but it, you like her, her music, her, you know, some of those kinds of things. But then after this point, it's it's kind of just Taylor Swift, the superstar. Like, she is, you know, everybody knows her. Everybody knows everything about her. It's it's very, it became much more mainstream, I guess. Or, like, maybe supersized to her proportion.
0: Well, I guess, like, it's hard for me to, like, I'm trying to do this because this, like like, I knew you were trouble. And then the last truly big, giant hit she has probably until until maybe 2020 is gonna be um is gonna be shake it off but like and and blank space but it's like this weird thing where like i feel like for the first three albums like i knew people who who loved taylor swift right like i knew people who loved Mm -hmm. taylor swift and then like okay she's like she's a mainstream pop star but it felt like like there was some core set of people who like like it feels like like every girl that had like the emotions a girl has between like 13 and 20 loved the first three albums, and then like yes. there was this, there was like, then it became like this this very small group of people that adored everything she did. But I don't, I think it was it's it's grown bigger now that people that group of people that adore everything she did. But at the time of like Red in 1989 and Reputation, it was very small. It felt like, but like she was more omnipresent if it makes sense. Like she was on pop mm-hmm. radio.
1: Yes. She had much more albums in the beginning first in the first three albums she had much more many I can't talk today (laughs) in the first three albums there were a lot more songs that were that kind of omnipresent like always there always on you know everybody knew her Uh, but I also feel like they were much more relatable like in her in the latter part of her albums I feel like she became a little less relatable like you can't put as many of your personal situations or experiences to some of the songs on our album mm. and most specifically with the midnights, which I'm sure we'll get to, but yeah, I, I definitely feel like the first three or four, they were really the, the kind of personal albums.
0: Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking like, if I think of it in terms of zeitgeist, right? Like the popular spirit, like Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, just as she's starting the peak as an artist, is like losing. Like she's still moving records, but she's kind of losing her place in the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Like, like, uh, yeah. Um, we'll get into that because I feel like Reputation and Lover are especially like emblematic of this. Um, but anyway, the anyway, Red happens, and then we get to 1989, which is a giant smash, and also mm-hmm. I think the worst Taylor Swift record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, oh man, I mean, it's well-made. It's like technically well-made. It's like the first record she has that's actually technically like well-produced, but yeah. um, it's it sounds like she's very much, tr- like she's trying now to make an, uh, a vinyl record. Like the kind of record I was talking about before, that's like 40 minutes, 48 minutes, and like mm-hmm. 12 tracks, no filler, very streamlined, like consistent theme, consistent... Um, aesthetic um, yeah. it's like she's she's trying to do that and it's like it is cohesive but there's like nothing to latch on to in this one yeah. yeah I would agree
1: with that I mean she's got some bigger hits on there but not as epic as some of the beginning ones I mean Shake It Off was obviously on there Out of the Woods that one and Style are on all the time
0: uh, on the yeah. radio
1: same with Blink Space but yeah they're they're not as present in a sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like for me from the outside, right. For Mm -hmm. me, like her four biggest hits up to this point are you belong with me. um, I knew you were trouble. And then she has a pair of smashes with shake it off and um, blank space. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, she definitely, this is like definitely until recently her like commercial apotheosis, right? Like she's, you know she like this is this is her moment to like be queen of top 40 radio um Mm -hmm. it's also the first time she works with jack antonoff who becomes like a major producer like this is his big coming out party but Mm -hmm. yeah i'm surprised that you agree with because i figured you were going to be a defender of this one you were going to love it
1: no because i remember this one came out and i was like oh, like, she's really changing, but I didn't care as much for the change in that. Like, she's got some good hits on there. Like, I really liked Clean, again, just because I like long, long, sad songs. But um, for the most part, I, I don't know. It just, it didn't hit as strong with me.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I will say, Shake It Off is one of, Shake It Off is a is a great, if you're trying to make a hit, like that's one of the best hits i've ever heard like yeah yeah. shake it off is a great track just even from like a a technical point of view and then you know this is the first song the first song that someone was like taylor swift's a good songwriter and i had to be like you know what i'm wrong about taylor swift was someone was pointing out the bridge on blank space to me and Mm -hmm. and it's like "Duh, duh 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 like it's so very simple but it's so very much like holds the song together um and I know that people often like praise Taylor Swift's bridges and like, yeah, she's like, she's fully in command of her craft at this point. But in terms of like having something emotional to latch onto, there's not much there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree with that. But also, this is the point, not, not red, but this one is the point at which people start calling her like no longer country, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. At this point, it I mean, it's full blown pop, like you would not get any kind of country vibes off of this one
0: no and i think my problem i think like my problems with this one can kind of be reduced to uh welcome to new york like mm-hmm. what a what a terrible song like <laughs> why why do i why do i want like it's not even like why do i care okay even if i'm from new york it's like mm-hmm. i don't want your like little girl version of like oh new york yeah yeah i don't know what's a good i'm what's a good argument in favor of nineteen eighty nine I need one it sounds good like it sounds really good if I didn't like the sound yeah. is good, yeah, and yeah. that's
1: absolutely the the thing that I would say because I mean lyrically, I'm just not in love with it again there's it, it just doesn't it doesn't play as well as some of the other ones, and again, maybe it's because some of them are a little shorter and, and more plain like it's not as good of a song that you can put in your car and listen to on a road trip it's it's a little shorter and so it kind of just feels like the same you know 12 songs over and over which obviously if you're listening to it over and over it is but i don't know you don't get as much of a a change in perspective and and deepness out of the album i guess
0: yeah it's certainly like if you asked me objectively which of her first five albums is like the best produced like which one is the is the best one technically i would say 1989 but like which one is the one that i'm least likely to put on repeat or put on in my car it's either going to be 1989 or speak now like Mm. i don't have any i will go back and listen to bump the hit maybe once or twice but i don't really want to listen to the album again yeah yeah. And I think part of it for me is the guy that produced it, Jack Antonoff, produced some of the tracks on it. Like that kind of, well, this is like the first instance, instance of that sound, right? That very like mid heavy, like cutting off the highs sort of like thing that's become like the TikTok, Like what's the girl, um, Olivia Rodrigo, oh, yeah. like that sound, like the sound right now, this is the first album that has it, but like there are some much better albums that use that sound. Um, Lord's second album, Melodrama is a good example. Like, that I would just rather listen to before I would put on 1989. Um, all right, well, we don't have to spend too long on it then, unless you got anything. No. Okay. So. Taylor Swift's commercial, commercial peak and then, but also kind of falling out of the hearts of her dearest fans. And then we have reputation, which. This is the point where I start to really like Taylor Swift. Mm hmm. I don't know how you feel.
1: I this one was also lower on my list
0: yeah um
1: I think it's only just because it's so drastically different from red that it was like you know if you love red it's like oh wow this is not the Taylor that I know and so it's it's a little bit harder to get into she's definitely got some good songs off of it like I would use this one more as a workout like if I'm gonna listen to Taylor Swift to work out this is the one you want to do um but it's I don't know. It's it's very different. I and obviously she was trying to do that, but yeah. I feel like with this one as well, she went. She she really kind of dove more into the ironic kind of stuff because I feel like some of the songs that she she sings on there, it's like it's got more of an ironic twist to it than just here's the 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 words and you know read into it if you will.
0: Here's to my real friend like just it's got a lot more so stupid it's good moments Um, yeah
1: this is why we can't have nice thanks
0: (laughs) (laughs) no i i love it because this is the point where i feel like taylor swift stops giving a fuck like so my my thing my guess is like behind the scenes is that probably like in like this grand scheme of things where she's had this like five or six album, like contract, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and the whole, the plan has worked out perfectly. They've made her a country star and then they've made her crossover and then they had her record that just like was a smash. And they had her two hit songs that were like two of the best selling songs of her era. And I'm sure at this point, like even maybe in her head, she's probably like, okay, well this is it. Like I've had my commercial peak, So at this point I'm just going to make whatever I want to make. Like, of course it's targeted to like the contemporary trap sound and like it's, there's, there's targeted toward contemporary sounds. Like she has future on there who was a big rapper at the time, but it does very much sound like she just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Like, like I remember when I, when I heard, look what you made me do on the radio and I was astounded that that song existed. Like, like, I, I, I had grown up, I had heard, we are never ever getting back together. And I was astounded at like, cause I, I could not believe that a mainstream pop star would make a song like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like it made zero sense. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh no, I hear what you're saying. There's not much to latch onto from a like, I'm identifying with Taylor Swift, the singer songwriter, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know, like, It's, and I think the other thing for me, I'm going to rant a little bit about this one, then we can move on. But like, the other thing for me is that like, it's not even trying to be like, it's not even like, it's like, it's almost trying to be sexy, but it's not even a sexy album. Like it's, it's very, it's almost like Taylor Swift is just like doing the sexual pop star thing just for kicks. It's almost like, she's just doing it like, yeah, cause whatever, I feel like it. So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, just the, cause there's this whole like tradition in American music, this weird, like tradition of outsider music with like, uh, there's an album called trout Mask replica and there's this band called the Skags, and there's like, even have you ever heard of the rapper, little B Mm -hmm. like anyway, there's this kind of weird lineage of American outsider music, like outside the mainstream that's like technically bad and like shoddy quality and like poorly played or even like punk music, you know, like punk. But it's like, it's like punk, but not terribly hardcore. And I almost feel like this is low key, like a a mainstream outsider music album, like Taylor Swift got away with making like a Skaggs like style or Little B style record that like still was on mainstream radio. Um, You do have to admit, though, New Year's Day is a great song.
1: I love New Year's Day. That's my favorite one on the album.
0: Okay, like you that one you can latch on to.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: Okay. I mean, yeah. you didn't latch on to the Kanye drama at all that that didn't help you connect to her.
1: Not really. I mean, like, I get it and I, I get why she would do some kind of an album like this, but I don't know. I mean, she's like I said, she's got some really poppy songs on there. like my friend and I um, I know we both really liked the King of my Heart. like that one was pretty good. The getaway car is pretty good um call it what you want I like that one it's I mean don't as blame an me. album as a whole I didn't care as much for it there are songs that I don't mind or like when it comes up it's like oh yeah sounds a pretty pretty good song you know yeah but not as as strong for me
0: yeah um how do you feel about don't blame me that song
1: I was trying to remember that one i hadn't i hadn't gotten back to that one when i was doing my repeat
0: that one's got like the weird like church song part like don't blame me love made me crazy and it's got oh. like the the choral backing don't
1: blame me love made going crazy yeah
0: yeah it
1: was, was pretty okay
0: no i feel like this is the weird moment where yeah it's just nobody like her her moment like in the zeitgeist is kind of over her commercial peak has passed. She's doing what she wants. I don't know, I, it's grown on me. And like, you're talking about good CD records, like there's there's no attempt at on reputation to really have an arc. I mean, there is a little bit with the, with the closer with New Year's Day, but like, it's very much just like, oh, we decided we were gonna try to make this kind of sound. And then we just recorded as many tracks as we could. And this is as many of them as we could fit on the CD. And mm-hmm. so, I almost love it for that. It's almost just like, I don't know, someone was making pizza and they just made like a pizza with as many toppings as they could. And it's like, here's your pepper I don't know. Like <laughs> you wanted you wanted Taylor Swift in tights and, and spandex and leather. This is Taylor Swift, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's I don't it's just like but you're right. The the when you do that sort of thing maybe as an artist when you're just like i'm gonna go in and like make my art school project maybe you have something that like the true hardcore fans can't really latch on to
1: yeah
0: okay well yeah i figured we would disagree with this one but i figured we would disagree with it on for different reasons because i figured like because i knew that there's people who didn't like this album because they came up when taylor swift was marketed as like the wholesome kid-friendly pop star and like this is kind of when she really makes the clear break to like you know
1: they do whatever i want at this point
0: well i just like, mean the like the like oh, hyper sexualized like because like that was the whole thing like the early marketing was like oh here's this like wholesome girl right
1: mm-hmm.
0: i even remember um a, a mutual friend of ours i don't want to say her last name but even i think around the era of speak now or red we were sitting in a place out in atchison and she was like, "I just think Taylor Swift's really a great role model for little girls," and mm-hmm. I really, I'm really glad that we have a popular star who's like, um, like, uh, able to be a good role model for people. In the back of my head, I was like, "Homegirl, that's just all marketing. Like, that's just yeah. that's just imagery." And I, I, don't know. Like, did you were you disappointed by that? By what? By the way she was marketed at all? Like the shift in that? I mean,
1: it wasn't as crazy of an adjustment in that sense I think it was just that it was such such a stark contrast to the sound of all of her old stuff that I was like oh I just didn't I didn't care as much for the sound of it like yeah again there were some songs I could kind of get behind and as far as marketing goes like it was a little disappointing in a sense where it's like I mean I'm not going to start wearing those clothes you know whereas you know with 22 it's like you know the the black and the whites and the reds and the you know, a little more classic look to it. That reputation was very (laughs) aggressively so. And I yeah marketing wise I didn't care as much for it. Like that
0: wasn't really my big draw away from her. But Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. No, and uh that just that's another thing I, I just remembered. Starting with red really, right? But Red and probably every album since she's had a very unique look in each album but like like red has a lot of sense of style like even the album photographs are awfully mm-hmm. like even those are worth looking at
1: mhm yeah i mean and she she was kind of iconic like i don't know if you had heard much about this but it was really her hairstyle like in every single album it was very much a different kind of, and she i mean she's going out on her eras tour now but it's very much that like the first one it was very country very you know big hair curly and then fearless it was a little more relaxed and then she kind of just like progresses the the hair change was the big change for that one and I think in this one she had dyed it platinum and was kind of just a little more raw whereas in 20 or in red I think that's when she had straightened her hair for the first time and you know there was a there was a change in that there was definitely a color and a hairstyle or like a a style per se um even in clothes and things like that that really was associated with each album and each kind of time in her life for that
0: yeah but like with i don't know like i know there was definitely a different look in the albums but like red like she has like real style in red she's got like these like 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 very bold colors like red and white the sunglasses the nineteen eighty nine's got the sweaters. I don't know. I I uh I can appreciate the uh like the development of a sense of style too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh moving on. Lover.
1: I loved Lover. That one came out when I was in Portland and it it was again like one that I would have on in the car and I would just listen to on repeat because it was right around the time of COVID too. And so, you know, I got it and then you know covid hit and then there was just no one on the streets and so i'm just driving around in portland listening to lover i really liked this album
0: i i love it i think that cruel summer is one of is oh. one of the best produced tracks i've ever heard in my life
1: it's so good it's an excellent excellent song
0: yeah no and that's actually what made me reevaluate how i felt about taylor swift cuz i remember When Shake It Off came out, and I remember thinking, oh, this is actually a really well-made song. And then I, you know, Folklore came out, and I listened to Folklore when I was sick with COVID. And then I was looking up a list of, like, Tater Swift's greatest songs. And then I listened to Cruel Summer, and I was like, holy shit, this is an all-time great song. Um, Yeah. (laughs)
1: I I was really disappointed that one didn't – well, disappointed but also happy that it didn't get more radio play and kind of excitement around it because it's such a good song. But it, I'm glad that it didn't because then it's kind of just like the hidden gem where, you know, it's not going to get overplayed so much that you hate it again.
0: Yeah.
1: I really like that song.
0: I mean, of like of like all-time great pop recordings, like I Saw Her Again Last Night by the Mamas and the Papas, like – some of um what's the guy's name that shot shot the woman and died recently um uh not too young to get married who's to produce phil Phil spector like some phil spector tracks like like it is true i really do think it's an all-time great pop recording um but i think this one i also love for some of the same reasons i love reputation where it's like taylor swift is too big to fail at this point like she's always going to sell some copies and Mm -hmm. like um but like her role in the zeitgeist is kind of over and she no longer has this pressure to like deliver the great like pop hit. And so she's just once again, doing whatever she feels like. Yeah. I yeah. very
1: much agree with it in this version or in it, yeah. in the last few albums after this.
0: Yeah. Like lover is very much like, um, I forgot that you existed. I love that one.
1: I really like that one. Uh-huh. Um,
0: lover is a great song. Just, it's a great song song. It's a great, yeah. Yeah. And then the, the bass part in it is wonderful. Um uh what's the what's the second to last track about like the friends?
1: Oh, it's nice to have a friend.
0: Nice to have a friend is a good song.
1: Very like sweet. Song. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked uh, Cornelia Street.
0: Corn you know, there's it's in New York. Yeah. So I was I was in New York this last fall, last spring, and I uh saved the money to not buy a hotel room and I just walked New York around. And I Mm had, I had my headphones on and I was listening to Cornelia Street, Walking Cornelia Street. Hmm. I guess I didn't realize it was in New York. Down in the village.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no. Oh yeah. I think there's even a line in that one or in a different song on Lover where she talks about having a place in the village. So.
1: Oh yeah. You're right.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like, even the style of it, right. It's just like this very over the top, like almost like cotton candy. Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah um no but it's it it is one of these albums too that i feel like i don't know you're saying that you you didn't like reputation and lover in 1989 because there's not as much for you to grab onto. but for Mm -hmm. me the fact that like i don't know for me i i kind of like i guess more identify with her as just a creator and like really respect i don't know respecting the like I don't know. For me, there's there's more to grab onto here than there is in the early albums, because <coughs> I, I can e- Go ahead.
1: I, I mean, I can see where you're coming from with that.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm like treating her less. Like I'm tr- like I'm more hearing like the mind behind the songs on the later ones, if it makes sense. Yeah. 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 You uh, can see, like
1: you said, you can see more of the creator in the songs as opposed to the you know just pumping out songs to be fun and catchy and relatable
0: or human right i guess there's i'm hearing more of the creator behind the songs than like the human because i don't know were you ever like a big tumblr follower like were you following the tumblr posts and stuff with the early songs no i wasn't okay because some people were right
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah i guess for me i mean i was never gonna like identify with the emotional content I don't know. I feel like even the emotional content in the later albums, I kind of identify with more. Um, So, you know, I was never going to identify with the early ones, but yeah, I can hear you. Anyway, anything else for Lover? Uh, Great album.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was a very solid album. That's one of my tops, probably after Red, but above some of the other ones. I really liked it, but yeah. I
0: mean, very few albums are red though. That's kind of the, (laughs) yeah.
1: (laughs) It's, it's its own little breed there.
0: It's yeah. It's certainly like, it's almost like we're talking about, she, she has this like weird three album period before red, where she's like, she can write pop songs then she's learning how to write. Then she's learning how to have a sense of style. And she's learning how to have catchy words. She's like putting all the pieces together and they, they all fall into place at exactly the same time with red. Mm Hmm. Um, And then she's very much just like, then she has, you know, she has 1989 and then she's just like doing her own thing. Lover's another good CD uh, album, except there's some real, there's some filler on the back half. There's the the last, there's some filler at the end.
1: Yeah. I usually kind of skip through the last few because it's just like, you know, either overplayed or like you said, just fillers. It's like,
0: eh. I don't know. I don't know why, um, why me and um, I don't know how me, and what's the other one? that got
1: um, you need to calm down.
0: I don't know how those even got released as songs. Yeah. They they are they are um, they are they are so they are mind numbingly of lower quality than most of the stuff on that album.
1: Yeah. I would agree. I I don't think that they deserved too much of a place on this album. And especially towards the back half like it's kind of just like, "Oh, here's all of my new songs. Oh yeah, you remember these two that we had released?" Uh, yeah. Well, okay. they're on here now. Yeah. That's how it
0: felt. That's how it feels.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, those, it's the first time because like, okay, yes, we are never getting back together and look what you made me do are both like, we're both very jarring to hear on the radio, but they, they both work in the context of the albums they're on. Like, I feel like these two songs, they work thematically and sonically, but they just stand out of like how, they are not up to the same level as some of the other tracks.
1: Yeah. I would agree with
0: that. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like this is the first album. Like they should have marketed it different. Like if they had marketed this as like Taylor Swift's turn towards serious songwriting or something and put out lover as the first single, it mm-hmm. would have been a much bigger album. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: Cause that one is like Grammy, Grammy fodder. It's like a pop star making like a sophisticated love song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, anything more on that one?
1: Nope. Good on that one.
0: All right. Good on that one. Folklore.
1: Folklore. Folklore. <laughs> this one. It was 2020. I had moved across the country. Started in KC, and so it was. It was really exciting to have this one come out, and it was very different from you know some of those other poppy country kind of stuff. It's the thing I really liked about this one is that she created so many more stories with this one, as opposed to the life experiences and events. Like what she had said with the three, I think it was like the, the love triangle or something. There's three songs that are on this one. Um, I can't think off the top of my head. August is one of them. Um, Betty, Betty
0: cardigan, right?
1: yes yeah those three um and so i feel like in this one she she used so much more of her actual songwriting capabilities to go outside of herself like i remember having this this big conversation with my dad who he's a huge tom petty elton john um those kind of the people music and with that all of their songs are so outside of themselves like yeah there's there's a few that are you know Here's a, you know, You Wreck Me Baby by Tom Petty or, you know, this, that, and the other. But you can create and craft a new story that's not yourself. And that's what's exciting in some of those singer-songwriters, that they're able to actually get outside of that. And I feel like with this album, I thought she was really progressing towards that. Where, yes, I can create some songs that are about me, but here you know w- you know watching a movie and being able to see oh here's this dynamic between this person and this person what if it took this turn or what if it did this she could create more stories in those songs and no they're not as personally relatable but they're still really good songs
0: yeah um i mean in this narrative i've been crafting of like taylor swift's Discography in her career, where she like she builds this dedicated fan base, becomes part of the zeitgeist, and then like has commercial popularity but kind of loses that fan base, loses the zeitgeist, makes these albums no longer has the commercial pressures on her, right? She's already delivered. So she's just making weird stuff. And I think this one, in my guess, is probably pretty unexpected for her, where she's just probably like, she's made reputation, she's made lover, and she's just probably like, she doesn't care anymore. So she's just gonna make another random album, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's probably not gonna, you know, it's probably gonna sell okay, since she's Taylor Swift, she's too big to fail. The Mm -hmm. fan base will think what it wants. She's just, at this point, she's just making uh, records for Taylor. And then Mm -hmm. like, it's just this weird meshing of like somebody wanting to do this thing that they want to do. And like the perfect moment for this thing to come out, like blending together and like, once again, like blowing up and making her like queen of the zeitgeist again.
1: I can see that for sure.
0: Yeah. Cause it's a very, it's not a cal- I mean, you could, you can't calculate making a like cottage core record during a pandemic. Like it's that, mm-hmm. that, that album is too high of quality and too well produced to have been rushed out just yeah. because she knew people were going to be locked in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I would
0: agree with that. Yeah. But no, I mean, it's, I, I was listening back to folk, Folklore um, a couple weeks ago, and I was astounded at the quality of the songs. Because like, I wouldn't even guess, like, Red is a good album, and she has good songs, but like, this is as good of songwriting as I've ever heard anyone do. On folklore and evermore um and i don't know if she just had some great co-writers behind the scenes because the jumping quality is like almost incomprehensible to me
1: mm-hmm.
0: like like cardigan's a weird song like it's got this weird like found percussion backbeat it's, yeah. it's a very weird song like i don't know how she came up with it
1: mm-hmm.
0: like it's and it's got these very like weird like like even if you think of like the verse and the chorus on on Cardigan, it's like this weird like like stomp like somebody making this percussion cycle with trash cans like building up into this like almost choral chorus and like every song's like that. Every song has this weird combination of like different aesthetics, different sonics like meshed together. Like uh, Exile, right? Like mm-hmm. the Warmoth Bonivay. It's like it's it's two songs that they just decided to to smash together and see what happened. Um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly very, this one's cohesive sonically, right? It's very much all got the same sort of, like, black and white walking through the forest aesthetic. Um, I mean, even from the one, right? Like, duh, I'm on my new shit. Like, it's just, you can tell Mm -hmm. that it's just someone, like, I don't know. It's it's very impressive. It's, It's a, it's a very, it's a tour de force. Like, I can't believe... She made it. It's like something I would expect out of Bob Dylan, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like listening to Blonde on Blonde, where it's just like every track is, is, is weird and it's it like shouldn't work. And it's just like something that could have only come out of one person's head. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm trying to think what else, because there's what, what great songs. The one is on there. Um, Mirrorball, Mirrorball, which is one of the greatest songs anyone's ever wrote.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love I- Mirrorball.
1: I don't know. I I mean, I like it. I just don't think I got it as much.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think for me, it's... Well, I think, okay, I think how I kind of understood this record. You know the line, like, I love you to the moon and Saturn? Uh-huh. Like, I think what this record does really well is... Is it takes things that are, like, common and familiar and almost corny. Like, we all know the line, I love you to the moon and back. Mm-hmm. And it, like it takes them and twists them just enough to make them unfamiliar mm-hmm. and bring out a poeticness about them that was unexpected but that the moment it's there you recognize it like yes. love you to the moon and saturn like hits you at the heart and it's just this slight tweak to like this very corny very common phrase
1: mm-hmm. i yeah that that makes sense to me and I feel like she did that a lot more on this album where it, like yeah. you said, here's a, a more common quote or analogy, or maybe it's, you know, not as cool. And then she kind of tweaks it enough where it's like, Oh, I, I see where you're coming from on that. And it's different, but like rememberable.
0: Yeah. Well, I think for me with Mirrorball, so like it's, It's quoting that, um, uh, what's the dashboard? Is it dashboard confessional? Like spinning in your highest heels. You are that song? Oh,
1: yeah. Stolen.
0: Uh I think it's very much quoting that one about like being in your highest heels or like at least I think that's the one I'm thinking of. Um, no, yeah, yeah. I'm spinning in my highest heels, uh, shining just for you. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: So it's like these very like corny, like almost corny phrases, but like. I don't know. Like it almost like the song keeps repeating itself almost like a mirror ball. Cause you know, a mirror ball is a disco ball. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, it's like this thing that keeps repeating itself, this song. it's like got these two main parts, but it's the only pop song I've ever heard that almost seems to implode in on itself. Like the longer the song goes on, the quieter it gets. And like the more parts they take out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it starts at this very like atmospheric, very like you know sort of love song and then like everything gets cut out to where it's just like the hush and it's just like that and the bass part and i think that's i just i just find that so brilliant because it's like it's it's making a song by deconstructing a song
1: yeah i'll have to go back and re-listen to that one because yeah yeah that definitely puts a different perspective on it than just listening to it flat out
0: yeah i mean you know there's i'm trying august you know some of the stuff, like August is good, what other songs are on it? I mean, there's there's like 20 tracks, right? It's... Yeah.
1: I liked August. Uh, Illicit Affairs, that one. like, Oh, yes. I loved that one.
0: I was shocked when I heard that. Like, Taylor Swift did not have an affair with someone, and yet she's writing a song about having an affair.
1: Right. And that's kind of what I was going along with, with creating these different stories. like. Yeah, she she obviously hadn't had that happen to her, but at the same time she's still able to kind of hit those different emotions and those different aspects of the song that it's just so good. Um Mad and then,
0: Woman. Oh. Mad Woman. Um Oh gosh.
1: Exile is just a classic. I can't remember if it was either August or Seven, but there was one or maybe I'm thinking of one on the next album.
0: Yeah, they sometimes they cl- go together. And it's speaking of like Taylor Swift making a sw- slight tweak to something, but ending up like creating a new thing. You know, I was a big National fan in the early 2010s. Like that was well, you were listening to like I don't know what you were listening to in the 2010s, but like I was listening to National, especially their album called High Violet. And mm-hmm. like High Violet, like even before. Like the, um, like even before the Jack Antonoff of like, like, uh, Olivia Rodrigo, like mid heavy, like, uh, cut, cut out the highs. Mm -hmm. Um, like even before that sound, like the national, were kind of making this very like mid heavy, like guitar dad rock, which the albums respected a lot more now than it was at that time. At the time people kind, kind of made fun of it. They called it dad rock. Um, it was kind of lower tempo about like having a kid and being afraid of stuff um yeah. but i loved it and so for me i loved it and obviously taylor swift loved it too because the guy behind the sound of the national is the guy that produced uh these two albums um he's like their guitarist. he's classically trained i can't even remember his name but anyway it's almost like one of this like the thing about folklore too is it's like she heard this sound knew she wanted it and tweaked it just enough to make it her own i also love that about these, this album and about these two albums really it's it's like i've you know i've known bonnie vee i've listened to bonnie vee since he first you know became a thing but like mm-hmm. to hear taylor swift to know by listening that she loved bonnie vee as well and then was like mm-hmm. i'm gonna make this my own shit, is is really fascinating to me and like yeah. it shouldn't work it should it should just sound like a pop star trying to co-opt somebody else's sound. Like it should sound like a pop star pretending to be an indie, like an indie singer, but it mm. absolutely doesn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She does a very good job of making it her own album as opposed to just something that she's trying to to match.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it's so, yeah. And then like, you know, this is the, this like, I don't, I can not really remember an album in my lifetime that's been as big of a smash as this. I could remember songs, but can you think of an album that was as big a smash? Where it seemed like everybody was listening to it and everybody Mm -hmm. respected it.
1: Yeah. I honestly can't think of any or many. Yeah. Because again there's so many, you know, this the single culture is such a big thing in music. Like you don't just grab an album and listen to the whole album anymore or like when you do listen to the album it's just not as cohesive in a sense um where I I do kind of miss that out of actual music is just having a good cohesive album where it you know it tells the story I remember listening to some it was either a podcast or some talk or interview or something where there's such a craft in coming up with even just the song organization that's on there like where you know track five is usually the slower one you either end on a high note or on a low note so like on the very last song of the album it's either going to be a really you know slow emotional kind of one or it's going to be something that you really just remember and leaves a good taste in your mouth um i think there's such a craft in in creating those albums and i feel like anymore there's so many albums or so many artists that just They put out songs and they just kind of put them all together on an album that it just doesn't work as well as taylor can do in some of her stuff
0: yeah yeah um i think it's also overlooked this one and evermore and maybe to a slider extent evermore but like just how experimental some of these tracks are like i was talking about mirrorball the way it's structured Mm -hmm. like um cardigan like the like the percussion on that like some of these songs are really actually weird like they don't come off as weird but they are really weird Mm -hmm. um i think there's one on evermore like where she's doing this song with like this very fast cadence with these big pauses between the lines um i can't remember the track i don't think it's gold rush but it's one around that part of the album but like some Mm -hmm. of these are very deeply weird tracks Um, yeah yeah
1: but gold rush is weird in a different way and, and we'll get into that one too yeah but um yeah, she's she's definitely got some different kind of musical aspects that she's bringing into some of this in this album and in in the next album where it like you said it shouldn't work but it does in a really different and weird kind of way. That's good. Yeah,
0: yeah, no. And then um, I think one of the great thing, one of the one of the really fun things about folklore is that there's this this is cottage core. There's this like dreamy, woodsy aesthetic. Then going on and then Betty comes in and it's like a track off her first record. Right. And so Mm -hmm. then it really makes this like great punctuation mark right at the end of the album. Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you know, it's also really interesting because I think it's a little bit more present on Evermore because you can kind of hear the different narrative threads in the songs a little better. Um, Mm -hmm. but like you're talking about these stories, it feels like in both folklore and Evermore, there's like three or four short stories that she wrote or that somebody wrote with her. And then they cut her up into pieces and so it's this weird thing where you have these like three or four short stories being told over the course of an album and they're like circling around each other which is yeah. never which is never a way to structure an album that i've ever heard before and i've listened to a lot of <laughs> albums like that that to me is a completely new idea it's like we'll write like like three or four three or four song cycles and then like cut them up and it actually works yeah yeah, yeah
1: that's what I really like out of these albums the this one and then evermore.
0: Yeah. Speaking of evermore. Um, all right. So I guess we can kind of bring ever I wanted to keep them a little bit separate because I know they're twins, but they are different in a way. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. I feel like with folklore,
1: like you said, it's a, a lot more of that cottage core, like walking through the woods. This one, it's like, okay, now I have a, a purpose again, in a sense, like, the life is a little more colored and so she she kind of takes it from there like with gold rush and champagne problems and some of those ones that are on this album i feel like it kind of colors in the picture as a little more than just kind of here's some some different structure if that makes sense
0: it's not as sonically cohesive as folklore but i feel like it's better for that Cause it's, it's an awfully long album to just be once like to have that long of an album and only have one sound for the most part. It's a little bit much sometimes. Um, yeah. like, I feel like that's maybe folklore's one weakness is by track 13 or 14. You start to just kind of like, it, it just all kind of becomes a vibe.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I would agree with that for sure.
0: But evermore has got it. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: No, so I was just going to say, there's a lot of songs that are on folklore that I kind of just didn't even know, like that was the name of the song or it's like, I've, if the song was playing, I would know the song, but I wouldn't necessarily know the title because they it's all kind of just a vibe. They're all very similar in a sense that you kind of just, I don't know, you kind of just lose yourself in the song or the album, but then don't really actually, you can't really divide them up like some of the other songs that she's had.
0: But no, I, and I think, I mean, evermore, like, Drop Your Hand While Dancing is a great line. Mm-hmm. Um what, what a great image. Like, we're talking about Taylor Swift learning how to write images. Like, like what oh. a great – what great storytelling, but also just what a perfect image.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many lines in that one specifically. Like, how evergreen our group of friends don't think we'll ever say that word again. And just, yeah. there's another line that's in there where it's like, your Midas touch on the Chevy door. Um, November flush, your flannel cure. It's like, just – just that creation of the imagery and i really like that line
0: um i think long story short's the one i'm thinking maybe it's closure or long story short but there's one where she just has this very hurried there's one of these songs where she just has this really weird hurried cadence that i'm like
1: Long story short it was a bad bad time probably that one
0: how does the yeah how does the verse go on that one um oh gosh it's okay but yeah, no, I like there are some like this one's even weirder than folklore in some ways where it feels like they're just in the studio and they're like, now do it this way, you know, like, now yeah. do it this way. Um, yeah, no, and even even the, the Bon Iver like, it, it kind of makes this nice tie between the two albums, but like the Bon Iver collaboration is re it really is two different songs that they just decided to throw together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Evermore. It is Evermore, right? The one with him. Um, no,
1: um, the one with Bon Iver.
0: Yeah, on this one. Yeah,
1: that one's the last one. That yeah,
0: one's yeah. Like... You can hear me. Yep. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So Evermore is oh, the last one with with Fair.
1: Bon no. Um, no. Nope. Vice versa. So Folklore has the one with Boni Fair, and then this one. Um, well, oh, they Evermore. Both have Bonnie Fair. Okay. Yes, yeah. yes. 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 The, they both have it. I forgot about that. Um, yes. Yeah, she has Evermore with Boni Fair in in Evermore, and then the other one, Exile, was in. Yeah.
0: Folklore um yeah no uh no champagne problems is great nobody no crime is
1: uh-huh.
0: i mean yeah. it, i i it, for me it has eclipsed the dixie tricks is my favorite i'm gonna murder someone song
1: <laughs> yeah
0: which i think that's what she was going for i think she was kind of trying to outdo them yeah low-key um
1: i like happiness a
0: lot oh that happiness is it's, it's amazing i, I yeah. was, Yeah,
1: that one is another one where I was kind of alluding to it earlier where, you know, she she changes the different words in the song to kind of create and change the like the contrast of who and what she's talking to. So like at the beginning, she was so, so angry and upset about the relationship falling out and everything. And then by the end of it, it's like, "Ah, yeah, you know, we can both use some happiness. And it's just kind of that closure in the song.
0: Oh, do you um, feel like she gets the closure in the song?
1: A little bit. I mean, I think she's still a little bit bitter about it. But at the same time, because she's like, um, oh, I can't remember the exact line, but it's something about like, um, you don't know the new me and the new me. I, I think she'd give you
0: that. Well, I, you know, I love one of the things is um, someone was talking to me about happiness and she's like, I know it's happiness. And she's talking about being happy. Uh, she just didn't quite get it. And I was like, Oh no, she's talking like in the future. She's going to be like, it's a song all about talking. Like it's a song where like everything she's saying is not how she's feeling. Like, and it, it comes across, right.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like,
0: it's like, it's a very much a song about being miserable in the context of a divorce, but it's yeah. like very much told. It's told by telling how very much you're going to look back fondly on things, you know? Um, yeah. But like it's it doesn't like I don't know it's not like a song it's not like cheap to where it's like oh one day everything's gonna be great it's a song that's mm-hmm. very much about someone's sadness by talking about how happy eventually they think they're going to be mm-hmm. which is which I think is a really it's a really good I don't know it's it's really poignant like like Taylor Swift for the first is like poignant in some of these tracks
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah um yeah. except my only problem I think there's the one song, Marjorie. It's grown on me a little bit. I think it's the weakest one on there. Yeah. Yeah. Because it only <laughs> makes sense if you know that it's her grandma.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait, you said some people don't know that?
0: Well, I don't, I don't think you know it unless you do the research.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, if you're just listening to it purely from just a, I don't know anything about Taylor Swift or any of the you know, things that are People are saying about the songs. Yeah, you you would definitely lose that, but but I feel like you can still pick it up if you're really listening to the lyrics.
0: I guess there is the chorus where she talks about yeah. talking about someone else. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or like that she will end up with her clothes and stuff like that. Like
0: yeah. you
1: can tell it's a family member, even though you may or may not necessarily know who in her family.
0: Yeah, that's a good. Point. A narrator's family. That's a good point. Yeah, and I guess when I say like it's weird, like with some of these songs, are, it's not that the songs come off as weird. It's not like they're so outsidery, like Reputation. But it's just mm-hmm. like there are there are low key very strange sonic choices being made sometimes on these songs. Um, yeah, that like are like slyly experimental. Um,
1: mm-hmm. You're but, a cowboy like me. That one.
0: Kind oh, of feels like me. what a what a great. Uh, what's the what's the song I what's the line I really like from that one. Um, oh forever is the sweetest con
1: forever is the sweetest con is that what you said
0: yeah like that's a great line
1: i don't think i've ever caught it
0: yeah forever is the sweetest con hmm. a-
1: Yeah. go ahead oh i was gonna say she's just got some some good lines that she can just drop in there and, and make you think on it
0: yeah i don't know any any take any more takeaways, takeaways folklore evermore huge Huge Taylor Swift back in the guys. You know, yeah, I don't think she really expected this to happen, but all of a sudden she's, like, the biggest pop star <laughs> and, like, the biggest, like, cultural figure in the world again. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. She, she definitely kind of used those as her comeback album in a sense.
0: But I think it was, like, accidentally her. Like, I don't think she expected, yeah. you know, but it just, yeah. yeah.
1: I think she did this one more for the fans than she did for, like, becoming a, you know... Trying to make a comeback, but it worked for her in that sense. Um, yeah. My yeah. my only takeaway is just, I frickin love Champagne Problems and Gold Rush. <laughs> Those, <laughs> yeah, they were good songs. Or oh, Tolerated. I forgot about that one.
0: Tolerated's great. Mhm. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't have the lows of Folklore. Like Evermore doesn't quite have the moments where I'm like, mm-hmm. I almost want to turn this album off. Mhm. Yeah like folklore has a few moments where it's like, okay, I'm a little bit dull. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, no, I mean, I'm just, I'm in like, I, I think like the best comparison for me is like, is like, uh, not Tom Petty. I'm thinking Tom Petty now that you said him, but for me, I think of, uh, blonde on blonde by Bob Dylan. Like it's just somebody who knows what they're doing is very much in command of what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, and then at this point, you know, this is like when I in my narrative I'm building for Taylor Swift, like this is the point where like she's succeeded. Like this is after she's this is for in Kanye Parlance after he's made Jesus or after after Bob Dylan's made after Bob Dylan's made Nashville Skyline. Like I think at this point she's just gotten away with too much that she's like, "Oh, I'm going to re-record my entire discography." Like uh-huh. I think I I don't know, I'm skeptical that she's going to make an album cuz I mean she has this four album period like starting with reputation where she's just doing whatever she wants and she's Mm -hmm. like and it's just like i think i think at this point i hope i hope it's not the case but i think at this point she's probably going to end up keep keeping like chasing the dragon which maybe takes us to midnights but it's Mm -hmm. like i think she's gonna like i think she's probably for better or worse gonna stay away from that like do whatever i want phase and like keep making things that play to the current zeitgeist which mm-hmm. it's not that she didn't with reputation and lover and, and folklore a little bit, but it's that like if they felt very like personal visiony, whereas midnights kind of feels like very much tailored to the moment. Um, I don't know how do you how do you take how do you take midnights since we're at so, that point?
1: Yeah, so um, when I hit midnights, I feel like Ah oh, gosh. I haven't really been able to put into words this album yet. Like there's a lot that are, it's, it's similar to the folklore and, um, and Evermore in that she's kind of just doing whatever she wants. She's similar to her old self in old sense in that she like, she's kind of going back to kind of rehash some old things. Since I know a lot of the ones that were on this album, it was like ones that she had, she wrote and, or they were ones that came out, you know, with the thoughts and the feelings around midnights and around, you know, what keeps you up at night and and those kinds of, of songs. But the, again, they're, they're less relatable than some of the ones that when she would do that on her old albums, you kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I remember a situation where I kind of could feel that. There's less of that on this album. They're all fun, catchy, poppy songs, but not quite in the same way
0: yeah i feel like with this it's like she's she hasn't made enough material yet that she's out of ideas Mm -hmm. but and she's too good at what she does to really make something that doesn't have any redeeming qualities but i think that like it's just it's too it's too sound of the moment chasing and too like because I, I, for, me, for me, the whole, like, Midnight's thing, like, for me, that's just marketing. It's, like, the stuff, it's, like, narrative building around the album so it sells better. But, like, the actual sound of the thing, it sounds, it doesn't, like, it's not, like, reputation and, like, folklore had never existed before, but they still felt, like, very personal visions of a certain sort of thing. Like, Midnight's doesn't feel very original. It feels, like, it's very, it's well done, but it doesn't feel very, like, like it's like her own vision of something. Yeah. Like Anti-Hero is a good song. Lavender Hayes is a good song, but it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, it it lacks the the I don't give a fuck anymore ness of some of the early of like the f- four records before it.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. That she in in those those senses, it's it's kind of falling back into some of her old vibe in a sense, whereas it's not. It's not the I'm just going to do whatever I want at
0: this point anymore. Yeah. It's filling in that narrative. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's not, it's not bad, right? She's like, she's too good to make something that's truly bad. Right. It's just like adequate, but it's like, it's, I guess one of the things is like, as, as, you know, very unspecific as some of the imagery on Fearless might be, and as very like, like, um, like it, it still feels like a very like and even as Taylor Swift as very much like like crowdsourced as it seems like some of the the melodies are it like still there's a very unique personality behind both of those things. Whereas I feel like Midnight's doesn't have a lot of personality like yeah. like it's her it's almost like her performing being being like even antihero is a good song. But it's like it's almost like her performing vulnerability like her performing being in mm-hmm. love, you know.
1: Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's it's kind of cool like I feel like in a sense there's some different aspects of her old songs on this one like vigilante shit that kind of would fit the vibe more of reputation or um you know sweet nothing that I feel like could be more of like a a lover kind of track or something that's a little just nicer and lighter. And so there's, there's different aspects of some of the old albums on this album, but in a different kind of way, I haven't been able to really figure out what that is yet though.
0: It's hard for me to like come up with a reason. I I think Lavender Haze and, and, and Antihero are like good, maybe even Maroon and maybe even, yeah, maybe Maroon, but like, it's hard for me, there's the one that starts up with the ma, 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 ma. what's that song <laughs> um, the one she's talking about in a high school boyfriend or something no. <laughs> ma, 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 ma. you know which what I'm talking about
1: I think I do, I just can't think of the name of it, yeah, yeah.
0: but it's hard for me to like think of a really oh, good is reason that Midnight rain, yeah, midnight rain, yeah it's hard for me to think of a good reason that this album needs to exist beyond the fact that like it had been a, two years since her previous album. Yeah. Like this, I feel like I've, I find it hard to like, I don't see a reason, like a good reason for this album to exist. Not that like there aren't some tracks that I'm, I can listen to sometimes and I'm glad are in my availability, availability to play, but yeah. it felt, it feels like it doesn't have a real strong reason for existing.
1: Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. I I feel like it was, again, kind of one of the shock factors where it was like, hey, guys, I'm going to release an album, you know, and, and then she just kind of does what she wants. But I it does kind of feel like she just kind of put something out there to put something out there instead of because, you know, that's her next thing that she's doing. Um, it's kind of nice just to break up since she's She's putting out all of her old albums again. It's nice to have some new material as opposed to just listening to the same old stuff over and over because she's got to keep a gun going into that marketing thing. She's got to keep people coming back. Like, I mean, if she's just going to redo all of her old stuff, people are going to be like, OK, you know, where's where's something new? Otherwise, you're just, you know, a washed up singer doing your same exact stuff because those were popular and you can make more money off of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I almost feel like that's what she's doing with Midnight's. Like, I feel like she had like resigned herself to not selling, having an album as big as 1989 ever again, and was just making records that she wanted to make there for a little bit. And Mm -hmm. then like, she had this unexpected like hit and it's almost like, well now she can't not have another hit. Mm -hmm. You know, she can't like, she couldn't like, I don't know, maybe she really likes jazz. Like she can't do her jazz album now. (laughs) <laughs> like you yeah. know what i mean like she's she's too big again to like do a jazz album yeah uh, i feel like i feel like when people have like lose that like feeling of being on top of the world and then they get it back i feel like mm-hmm. it's very hard for them to let go of it that second time like i'm sure when 1989 came out she must have felt on top of the world mhm right I'm
1: really just chasing that feeling in a sense
0: yeah, I don't think she did that after. I think she, like, resolved to, like, not... I think, like, like she probably resolved to not have that feeling again. And then she ended up getting it a second time when Folklore came mm-hmm. out, by accident almost.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: um, it almost feels... a mid- Like, Midnight's just feels a little bit like Chasing the Dragon. And, like, right. you know, now that... After Folklore, of course, Midnight's is going to have, like... It's going to be the biggest-selling album in the last five years because everybody's desperate. Like you know, everybody's bought in. And the younger generation, too. Like, she's cool again. She's, like, cool for them. Mm-hmm yeah you know she's like a reveal olivia rodrigo's hero right so like
1: right yeah. yeah i'll go and listen to her too
0: yeah you've listened um so i mean now taylor swift's like our generation and the younger generation it's i don't know mm-hmm. i don't she's know kind of multi-generational she's taylor swift is literally multi-generational <laughs> right well, I mean, do you have anything that we didn't bring up or any thoughts or any comments on anything?
1: I don't think so. I think we covered it pretty well.
0: Yeah, any Any of my points you really disagree with or agree with or any last word you want to leave people with when it comes to T-Swift?
1: When it comes to T-Swift, I think you just have to listen to the whole perspective of it. Like, my husband does not like Taylor Swift, but at the same time, he didn't really... He never actually bought into it or anything, and yeah. so... I feel like you can't just come in and just randomly be a Taylor Swift fan. You kind of just have to see the, the progression of her actual music. Otherwise, it's just, you know, a whole bunch of music from an artist that you may or may not care about. I think you actually have to listen to some of the old stuff, understand where she came from and see that progression in both her music writing, her songwriting and everything that kind of comes along with it, along with the situation of how she kind of came to that point too
0: well and i know that you said you you wrote songs or you maybe still write some songs um and i you know i think one thing with taylor swift is you have to suspension of disbelief like you have to you have to say like okay there's just going to be some really outsized emotions or like really outs like songwriting doesn't is a little bit not subtle but um right it's gonna be very big a lot of the time but um Mm -hmm. Not that she can't be poignant, but sometimes it seems very extra. But I think the other thing is when you try to write songs yourself, because she, for, regardless of if you enjoy her music, she's very good at songwriting. She's very good at developing structure and developing melody and developing movement and like, like using like visuals. Like she's very good at actual songwriting. So when you try to write songs yourself, I think mm-hmm. you, I think then you kind of maybe have an extra appreciation for what she does.
1: Yeah. I would agree with that because I mean it does become a little bit of like story writing and poetry at the same time but yeah like you said kind of coming up with these these ideas but if you just talk about your normal emotions people aren't going to get that as much as if you overblow it a little bit and kind of create these different visions and these different imagery of you know what it would be like in this sense or in this sense and yeah, I, I would definitely say that I have a bigger appreciation for it based on some of those other things. Um yeah, I would agree.
0: Yeah, well and I think that like not even just like making a good song, but like making a good pop song. Like like yeah. to bring it back to Bob Dylan and Blonde on Blonde, um, like um what's the song? Um Down in Memphis, uh stuck in mobile with the Memphis Blues again. Like it's a very typical blues song. Like mm-hmm. It's very much just a six verse blues song that like somehow Bob Dylan makes his own. Like there's an art to, to, you know, you can make, try to make high art, but there's very much an art to like making a pop song, making a standard pop song, but still making it good and original and like having something to say with it. Yeah.
1: I would agree with that for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll let you have the last word. (laughs) Okay. Mm. I mean <laughs> don't be <yeah>. a hater
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't be a hater yeah she tells you don't hate 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 so
0: yeah she sure does all right yeah. well thank you for doing this Sil. yeah
1: yeah absolutely
0: all right hopefully you enjoyed it it was a good chat Good
1: um,
0: chat. I think, it, I think it was good stuff so um how did it go for you was it all right it wasn't too yeah. bad right
1: yeah no I thought it
0: was good okay um yeah well thank you for doing this and I'm glad I got to get a real fan on for for I feel like doing it with someone who wasn't like really a fan especially in the early albums just wouldn't Uh be right
1: yeah I I, and I agree with that when you were first saying like there's people who would do it but it was more as kind of like a a critiquing of it and it's like no you, you want someone that's a fan that's willing to like give you their actual interpretation of it and and how they feel about it throughout the time frame as opposed to just like here is you know she did not write good songs at the beginning so now she is a good song
0: (laughs) um how do you like i guess as a fan how do you feel about t-swift just generally now and or generally
1: um she's i feel like i've kind of waned off of her a little bit only just because she's she's become bigger than herself And so I kind of feel like it's kind of like with Mariah Carey, who somebody was recently telling me that she's trying to become queen of Christmas. And it's like, you know, you think that you're a little bit bigger than you actually are. And I feel like she's kind of getting a little bit to that point. Like she is such a big name and she's so popular that I I have a worry that she's going to become too big for her own body. And then it's like, "Eh, well, I can do whatever I want because I'm Taylor Swift. And it's like, well yes but you know what's human decency yeah yeah but overall you you say human
0: decency what are you referring to i guess
1: i mean i don't know like just the way that some of her songs or some of her the things that she will say in like an interview it's kind of just like meh well i don't care like I don't know. I, I can't think of any specific She story. has an attitude, you mean? Like a little yeah, bit? Yeah. I, I would think so. And I mean she rightfully does. Like people have assumed a lot of different things about her and have put a lot of different words in her mouth. And she's like, no, that's not what I mean. And so she can she can tell you straight off. And I mean, if I were in her shoes, I'd probably be in the same situation where it's like, okay, yeah, we're not we're not just gonna continue to allow you to make assumptions about me. And so she can she can kind of cut that off. And she has more of a justification to do that now or like more of a voice, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean,
0: it's valid. You don't have to hate if you don't want to hate. Yeah. I'm just more interested since like we did, I did really want to get a fan. I just wanted to hear what a fan felt about her anymore. Mm-hmm. I you feel like you feel like you'd lost her. If you feel like you still have her.
1: I feel like I've kind of lost her a little bit. I mean, I still really enjoy her stuff. I didn't buy any tickets to her, her big era concert. My sisters both did, but I mean, I, and I was telling my friend Carrie about this recently too, because she, she was in a similar boat. Like we always listened to Taylor Swift together. It was like, okay, new albums coming out. And then we'd, you know, have this big old conversation about it and, um, and share which songs we like best and all that kind of stuff. But both of us just kind of feel like she's deviating farther and farther from the sound that we had liked so much that it's harder to, harder to relate and a little harder to get totally behind it. Like kind of like with Midnight's, it's, it's a good album. It's just kind of a little farther than, than it used to be, I guess. There's good songs. It's just not as it's not the same.
0: Uh, you probably already felt a little bit like this after Red, but she got you back with Folklore and Evermore, and then she lost you again.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Yeah, I'm still a fan. I'm I'm not gonna change that. But it's yeah, I would say that like if I were to rank all of her albums, I would say, you know, Red is definitely up there. Probably then Lover, then Folklore, and Evermore. And then kind of all the rest of them filter in outside of that so she's she's definitely had some ups and downs as far as like the roller coaster of her experience but i don't know definitely a fan definitely not going to change that unless she does something really wild and drastic but and then i also i mean it's it's a different kind of thing but with ed sheeran so in his early stuff he had cussed a lot more in his actual songs and his albums. And then somebody had told him, or he was in a taxi ride with somebody and the the driver was like, oh, you know, we, we used to really like your stuff, but you've got so many, you know, bad words in it. My kids can't really listen to it. So I have to turn it off. And, and then he really changed after that. And so if you listen to more of his new stuff, he doesn't have that much explicity, I guess in it. And so it's, It's a little sad coming the other way where it's like, oh, you know, when we have kids and stuff, I don't really want this stuff playing with them. Like, I don't want them to learn those different words and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a sad progression the other way compared to Ed Sheeran.